News Network. A football quarterback takes a knee to thank the Lord and is excoriated for it. A football coach takes a knee on the field to give thanks and is fired. Firefighters at a Denny's bow their heads before a meal and are told you can't do that here. And a safety takes a hit on the field and just like that, it's okay to pray. Sometimes it takes a jolt to see the real truth and it takes a guide to understand it. Your guide today is Dan Newman. Talk about nailing it on the head. That nailed right on the head of what we're dealing with in the United States. None of it makes any sense. It's all explainable, but none of this mess makes any sense when you dig into it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of TNN Live, February 3rd, a big day in my life. It's the day before my wife's 70th birthday. Oh, my gosh, I said it. I exposed her. Well, I'm not 70. I'm 69. She's older than me. And if she was here in the studio, she'd get in my face and tell me it's only six months. Shut up about it. (laughs) Well, happy birthday in advance to Marianne. Birthday number 70. It's not a bad thing to turn 70. It's a bad thing when you don't turn 70. That means you've assumed room temperature at some point. We're all going out that way, but I'm not quite there yet. Thank God I'm not quite there yet. Anyway, more insanity in our government, absolutely. More democratic chaos and demeaning others, anybody that disagrees with them, absolutely. It's all going all day, every day. And there's a lot of news out on this Friday. Got to be honest with you. Early morning news shocked the poo out of me about our jobs report. And then we've got some other statistics that we'll give to you. We already had those before the jobs report came out this morning. How many new jobs? Well, not new jobs. How many jobs? How many people went back to work? And a few new jobs, 517,000. 517,000 for last month. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. That's good news. It means something, but it doesn't mean everything's okay. It doesn't. So, now's a good time to get that cup of coffee. Sit back and enjoy the sweet, subtle sounds of a great song to get started today.
like that that's obviously from a live concert it was Wembley Stadium in London probably the most famous stadium on the planet outside of maybe the one in Rome where they used to uh, slaughter Christians right that was Jeff Lynn he was the arbiter the founder the songwriter in ELO electric light electric light orchestra yeah Got it right, ELO. I don't remember when this concert was. Jeff Lynn, his band, Electric Light Orchestra, a symphony orchestra there, and 130,000 of their closest friends. Yeah, that's what Wembley holds when you have the field with seats all over it. Of course, nobody was sitting. That was the opening song of that concert. I wanted to be there so bad. Why? I just like live music especially when the artists are really good. I don't care what genre it is. Country, pop, smooth jazz, rock and roll. If it's good and the music and the musicians and the singers are good, I like that. That's just me. Maybe it's because I'm about to be 70 in a few months. I don't know. Hey, once again, good morning. We have so many things to dig into today. And of course, you know, The squad, oh my gosh, they're going absolutely crazy all over everybody, as is, listen to this, our new minority leader, the guy that really wanted to be in the majority so he could be the Speaker of the House, Hakeem Jeffries. Hmm, interesting. He's not officially part of the squad, but I got to be honest with you. He is exactly like the squad. And so all of that insanity goes on on the left. And you would think it was because somebody just got arrested 
that numbers themselves among the squad or someone close to them. Nope, that's not what happened. Well, they got beat up, maybe robbed, mugged. Nope, that's not what happened. You know what happened. Ilhan Omar, probably the most radical, one of the squad members, she's a Muslim, she's from Somalia, she legally came to the United States many years ago, she got a great education, she became a rock star among the Muslim community up in Minneapolis, which is very large, and they elected her from her district to come serve in Washington, D.C., in the United States Congress. And with that, I think maybe before we talk about specifics, we ought to just mention one thing. She, too, put a hand on a Bible, the other hand in the air, and swore an oath to the United States of America, its people, and its Constitution, and its rule of law. And then summarily after she becomes a little more powerful, a little more powerful, she's in her third term now. She starts flexing her muscles and she goes after not her enemies, not the country, the United States of America's enemies. Our biggest ally in the Middle East, Israel. And she has said everything derogatory she could possibly say about Israel and what they purportedly do and who they do it to, which would be Muslims. We won't even get into the back and forth. There has always, since almost time began, been a war between Islamists and Christians. I'm just saying, I'm throwing it out there. It's a fact we got to deal with it. That's the way it is. But what about Ilhan Omar. She was put in a previous Congress in her first term. She was put on the Foreign Relations Committee. Now, that is a very powerful committee in the House. Obviously, its name denotes what it does. It deals with things regarding our foreign allies, pretty much everything. And so she got put on that committee when she was elected in her first term, reelected. And when the Democrats were in power, of course, they appointed her to this very powerful committee. And then she just began to constantly go nuts about Israel. Some of the most anti-Semitic remarks I've ever heard. And so what happened to her, she knew it was coming. Everybody in Congress knew it was coming because of her conduct towards Israel specifically, but other countries that are not pro-Muslim, the current House Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, removed her. And it went to the full Congress. And the full Congress voted, and the full Congress majority voted to remove her. Not from Congress, not from any committees, but from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, in light of the circumstances reasonable people would conclude that, you know, if she's out there marketing her religion and her political beliefs that are anti-Israel, why would the United States of America have her on the Foreign Relations Committee? Couldn't she go work in some other very important committee instead? That's what Kevin McCarthy promised. That's what he initiated 
by removing her from that committee. And the left have just gone absolutely crazy. The House voting in favor of removing Democrat Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. The squad not happy. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single time apology. Time has expired. My life was threatened. The I am so time sorry, has expired. that our country is failing you today through this chamber. You belong the, the in that is no Republicans are waging a blatantly Islamophobic and racist attack on Congresswoman Omar. But to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, the removal, quite simple. When it comes to Congresswoman Omar, based upon what she had said, the anti-Semitic comments, it's all about the Benjamins. The, the military in America is equal to Hamas and the Taliban. On 9-11, something happened that day. Even the former Democratic chair of the committee believed her comments were wrong. When a um, resolution was brought up, to deal with this last time, she never apologized. They changed the resolution to say anti-Semitism is wrong. We're not removing her from other committees. We just do not believe when it comes to foreign affairs, especially the responsibility of that position around the world with the comments that you make. She shouldn't serve there. Here now, Shannon Bream, Fox News Sunday host. Shannon, may I add also, here is what Elon Omar said on Twitter in 2012. Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. Mm. Shannon Bream, what do you say? A lot of tension here on Capitol Hill today. Now, what Democrat leaders will say is... She has acknowledged they called her out. Those were, quote, mistakes that she made. She's apologized for them, and she made things right. So that is their part of the argument. She is much more aware now of what she was saying, and she's tried to make up for saying those things. Republicans today, though, are saying, you guys actually set the framework in place for removing people who are members of the minority party from the committees that they're on, and we warned you when you did it. It is probably going to come back to get some of your members at some point. So... A complete impasse on this today. It's a completely partisan issue, how you view it. Um, you know, the, the top Democrat now in the House, Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader there, has said it's not a double standard. He called it a quadruple standard. But you heard the case there that the speaker made, and nobody's going to budge on either side on how they feel about this. So first, I want to point out the obvious. We all color-coded tonight to wear pink together, so just duly noted. <laughs> um, nicely done. Yes, nicely done. But have Democrats actually pointed out the difference for Elon Omar, Adam Schiff, or Eric Swalwell? Why are they different than when Democrats took off Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar from every single committee? Not just one committee. They couldn't serve mm -hmm. on one committee. And they also took off Jim Jordan and Jim Banks off the January 6th committee. Have they mm -hmm. been able to explain the difference in, in why it's wrong now, but it was right then? They're saying all of this is political payback. 
They say it's about nothing more than that, that it's strictly about Republicans have a narrow majority so that they can actually make the rules and make these calls now. Um, you know, they'll say all kinds of things. If you want to break down the January 6th committee, they'll say, you know, we would have allowed them to have other Republicans on. And there were other Republicans on that committee, not ones that would be there defending President Trump or his interests. Um, but if you go one by one through each of these examples, they say that there are significant differences and that the people who made mistakes in the past, Democrats have apologized. They say Republicans never did. The ones that get, got kicked off their committees, there were some apologies. Uh, I can't speak to every case, um, but it just feels purely partisan. It's going to be a partisan showdown here. And, um, you know, in not only the comments that the speaker has made about Congresswoman Omar, but in talking about the issues with the Intel Committee, you know, he's talked about the fact that he was briefed by the FBI about concerns that they had about some of these members, I think specifically Congressman Swalwell. So he's saying it's a much bigger problem, um, but they're not going to stop fighting about it on the Hill. I'm sure people are going to no. fundraise off of it and fill up our inboxes with emails about it. It'll continue. Yeah, the Democrats have it one way. They expect the Republicans to have it another way. It can't be the same way. Well, it's supposed to be the same way. What's good for the goose is good for the gander in Congress. And I got to be honest with you. They took several Republicans, not just off of the one committee they were serving on. They just took them off every other committee. They did that. And then, of course, the January 6th committee, which is, was a farce. It wasn't a committee. It wasn't hearings. It was simply a way to try to find another opportunity to keep Donald Trump from running for president. That's what it was all about. And they wanted to make sure there weren't any Republicans around to call out and demand facts. Do you realize in the January 6th committee hearings, there was no evidence presented by any Republican. There was no cross-examination of any of the witnesses allowed. And the Republicans, the two of them, which hate Donald Trump anyway, and both of them are now out of Congress, both of those people never even offered up any evidence to counter what the January 6th committee under House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was all about, get Donald Trump. And so now they're screaming about the evil Republicans, and as Kevin McCarthy said, Ilhan Omar, if she wants, will serve on another committee or two, just not the Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, if the Republicans were racist, if they were xenophobes, they would do what the Democrats did. They would not let her serve on any committee. And that is the power of the Speaker of the House. Of course, if that should happen, it's got to be put in front of the full Congress for a full vote, and she might she might make it there, but she didn't this time. With everything going on, let me just say this, with everything going on that we're dealing with, yeah, we got some good job news this morning, 517,000 jobs added last month. That's a really big deal. But in, in the middle of all of that, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. We're going to get into one of the things I think is possibly the worst thing that we're dealing with today. And let me just say this. It's not inflation. It's not Ukraine. 
It's something happening right now, right here. And before we move on from this Foreign Relations Committee debacle with Ilhan Omar being removed, did you happen to see her yesterday up in front of the House defending herself? She had somebody or some bodies on her staff go to Kinko and take a picture of her when she was a girl. I guess maybe right after she immigrated to the United States. And it was a massive picture. It was sitting on an easel next to her as she spoke to the full house floor. Now that was a little odd and pretty vain, but it kind of proved one thing. She is a narcissist. Everything in Congress, every decision, every vote, it's all about her. Look, it was all about her. It was about her ego. You're absolutely right. She said, I'm a powerful voice that needs to be silenced. That's why this is happening to me. There was nothing in those speeches that you showed and nothing in her speech that dealt with the issue at hand, which is she described Jews as saying it's all about the Benjamins. And she accused Jewish Americans of having an allegiance to a foreign state. She dismissed 9-11 by, some, by saying some people did something. She called the United States an apartheid regime, and she compared the United States and Israel to Hamas and the Taliban. And that's just the start. This woman has made a history of anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish comments, and you'll notice that nobody, nobody dealt with that. Nobody stood up and said, you misunderstood her. Nobody stood up and said she apologizes. Nobody stood up and said you've misconstrued those things. It was all about you're doing this because I am black, I am a woman, and I am from Africa, and I'm a Muslim. And that is simply not true. This was, this was a, a, you know, a craven attempt to try and, and suggest that anybody who, who makes anti-Semitic comments, if they are black, a woman and from Africa, has a right to do so and should not be held to account. The Democrats started this by kicking people off of, by two people, whom I'm not a favorite of, but they kicked them off of all the committees. This one said she can serve on any committee, other committee other than Intel and this committee, but she's not going to serve on the Foreign Relations Committee if she is an anti-Semitic bigot, which is exactly what she is. You look pretty fired up about this, Carl. I don't usually see you this energized. Has this kind of struck a chord with you? Look, this woman, this, to me, it is a sign of what has happened to the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is tolerating bigotry in the form of anti-Semitism. She's not the only one. She is just the most visible and most vocal member of the anti-Israel, anti-Jewish uh, element inside the Democratic Party. And the left of the Democratic Party has got a cancer in it, and that cancer is anti-Semitism, and they better stand up and do something about it. And, and look... I'm not a fan of kicking people off of committees. I do believe that the two parties have a, have a right to name the members of their committees. But this crosses the line. And not only that, but stop whining, Democrats. <laughs> you did this to two people that shouldn't, that, that, that I'm, again, I'm not a favorite of. But by God, you started this. And when it gets turned back on you for good cause, she's a bigot. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, we want to see some more tears when actual people die. Not when Omar loses a seat on a committee. That might make us feel a little bit like you're working for us instead of yourselves. Carl Rove, thank you so much. The architect. You bet. Bring in the heat. Anybody will just tell you that, uh, they'll just say, if, you, if you're objective at all, you'll say the reason she got booted was because she's going after our allies, specifically 
Israel, and she's serving on the Foreign Relations Committee. That in itself is a faux pas. It shouldn't have happened, and it did happen. It happened on a couple of Congress two-year terms. And she didn't get kicked out of the Congress. Congress could do that, by the way. But she didn't get kicked out of Congress. She got booted off the Foreign Relations Board. That's pretty much all there is. Now, how does everybody feel about it? Well, you heard so some of those members of the squad, they went crazy. Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, Corey, what's her name? Corey, Corey Moss, I believe that's her, from St. Louis. She's the new member. And, of course, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But what does everybody else in the nation think about it? Did you know that only 27% of the people that were polled from the Economist slash YouGov, which is, by the way, a left-leaning polling operation, only 27% think she would be allowed to serve on any congressional committees. Here's what the survey asked. And a lot of time you get the results of these polls and you don't know what or how the questions were asked. I'm going to quote the question that was asked. Quote, in the past, certain members of Congress have been blocked from serving on congressional committees. In your opinion, should the following members of Congress be allowed to serve on congressional committees? Ilhan Omar was one of the names, the members that was given. Just over 25%, 27% said yes, Omar should be allowed to serve on a committee. Nearly one-third said she should not be allowed to serve on a committee, and 42% said they're not sure. Less than a majority of Democrats, 41%, actually believe she should be allowed to serve on a committee. Less than 41% of the members of her own party. The survey was taken January 14th through 17th, 1,500 U.S. adults. So we're dealing with all that mess. I mean, just uproar on the floor. This is the place where the people's house and its house members are supposed to be working on crafting laws, oversight of all parts of our federal government, not up there demeaning people and calling everybody names simply because one of our members didn't get to do what she wanted to do. Wah, wah. That's exactly what it is. We got a bunch of other stuff going on. Meanwhile, out in the West, the Upper West, the Far Northwest, there's a balloon up in the atmosphere. It's a big one, and it is a Chinese surveillance balloon. And we find out it's been around, and we've known it's been around for days and days and days. It just happens to be at this moment hovering right over one of our biggest nuclear missile fields in Montana. Now, why would, why would a Chinese spy balloon fly high over our missile base in Montana? You know what? Here's the thing that blows my mind. It doesn't matter what the Chinese are doing and why they're doing it. They're doing it. They're invading our airspace. They're doing surveillance of any particular area of the United States that belongs to us, 
They didn't ask if they could do it. You don't invade another country. You just don't do that. If you're doing the right thing and operating in a quid pro quo atmosphere, now does this mean that we could be and should be able to have the permission to do the same thing over China? You know exactly what they'd do. They'd shoot it down. So at the president's request, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and top military officials, they got together, considered shooting it out of the air, but decided doing so would endanger too many people on the ground. Yeah, right. There are people everywhere, in droves. They're packed in in Montana, right? The Pentagon official said the balloon flew over the U.S. Northwest where there are sensitive air bases and strategic missiles in underground silos. Clearly, the intent of this balloon is for surveillance, and the current flight path does carry it over a number of sensitive sites, said the official. Ah, come on now. An amateur with a good good uh, telescope, I couldn't think of the term telescope, could see it's up there. And it's up there for a purpose. They're not just like flying a kite over our nation. The Pentagon decision was to take no kinetic action because of the risks to the safety and security of people on the ground from a possible debris field. Pat Ryder, as the Pentagon official confirmed, the balloon was still tracked over U.S. airspace. A, A huge majority of Americans... Almost two-thirds say, shoot the stinking balloon down. Shoot it down. It doesn't matter what the Chinese have it up there for. It's not supposed to fly over our country. They are a foreign antagonistic problem for the United States. They are unofficially but still the enemies of the United States. And they're surveilling us. What are they doing? I got to be honest with you. What, let me just ask you this question. What would be happening or what would have already happened if Donald Trump was in office? The first thing that would have happened, he'd have picked up the phone. He would have called Xi Jinping and said, Mr. President, I've just been told the Chinese have a surveillance balloon hovering over our Pacific Northwest. Is that true? And of course, it is true. Xi Jinping would, I think, probably admit it's there. And then they would talk to each other and discuss why it's there and then make a decision and probably it would be a quid pro quo kind of thing. What's going to happen with that balloon? We don't want it here. You need to get it out of our airspace or we're going to be obliged to take it down. There are no kahunas in this administration The balloon is currently traveling at an altitude well above commercial air traffic. It doesn't present a military or physical threat to people on the ground. That's what this Pentagon spokesman writer said. China sent surveillance balloons over the United States before. I didn't know that. They never tell us that. But this one has lingered in U.S. airspace much longer. We're taking steps nevertheless to protect against foreign intelligence collection of sensitive information. 
the official said, novel idea. Why not just very strategically just go up there and shoot a hole in the balloon itself and then get the contents or whatever the balloon is carrying beneath it, get that on the ground and find out what the Chinese people are doing. This is just another piece of evidence that says Joe Biden, our president, is feckless. He has no kahunas. He is not committed to doing the things that he committed to do when he took his oath of office. That is an attempt by a foreign foe to get information about us and maybe about our missile silos. I'm pretty sure if they're over Montana, that's where our number one missile field is. It's insane for Biden to leave it up there. So what else is going on? Well, I told you 517,000 jobs added last month. But at the same time, nobody's talking about this. Here in the nation, U.S. employers cut 102,000 jobs last month. That's a 440% jump from January a year ago. 102,943 jobs. More than 102,000 employees are losing their jobs right now. Challenger, Gray, and Christmas, Inc. made the report which found these job cuts in January more than twice than those announced in December, four times as last January's numbers. The technology sector, that's the number one most significant layoff spot, making up 41% of these reductions. Meanwhile, retailers and financial companies are making substantial changes themselves. If you look at a graph that shows all the technology job cuts since January of 2022, it's kind of scary. Technology, it's having some bad stuff going on because it's a straight-up line from January of last year till January of this year. PayPal, Alphabet Inc., Amazon, they've all made plans to dismiss thousands of workers. And since November, technology firms as a whole committed to 110,800 job cuts. PayPal yesterday said it's going to trim about 7% of its total workforce. That's about 2,000 full-timers. As the digital payments company, PayPal, contends with what it calls the challenging macroeconomic environment, have no idea what is encompassed in that. The company didn't further specify, just said it's going to make these cuts over the next several weeks. This has mostly been put down to a need to reduce cost in these companies. It includes Google, Microsoft, Salesforce, wanting to reduce cost as economic growth slows down around the world. Over the past year, we made significant progress in strengthening and reshaping our company to address the challenging macroeconomic environment while continuing to invest to meet our customers' needs. Google eliminated 1,800 workers last month. That's about 1.5% of those who were on-site massage therapists. 
that would provide services to staff as rewards. I'm not kidding. Most of the 1,800 were on-site massage therapists. I can see why a company might reduce their numbers by hacking those massage therapists. 12,000 employees, Google's going to cut 6% of its workforce. Of the 1,800 initial cuts, 1,400 affected workers in Google's Mountain View, California headquarters, another 119 were in San Bruno, where YouTube, which Google owns, is based. A total of 177 job cuts happened in Los Angeles, mostly at the company's Playa Vista campus. Another 60 were in Irvine. Palo Alto's office, 53 cuts. And that came two days after their rival, Microsoft, said it would lay off 10,000 workers. So what's going on, folks? Everything's rosy. Everything's peachy. In the State of the Union address next week, President Biden has got another feather in his hat. He's going to talk about only one thing in economics. Well, two things. We added 517,000 new jobs. We created 517,000 new jobs. America's workers are getting opportunities. Why? Because I'm Joe Biden. I am politics. It's our economic conditions that are the results of all the policies that we have engaged in in the first two years of my administration. 517,000, and of course, they'll tag them as new jobs. They're not. They're simply people going back to work from the pandemic that were laid off during the pandemic. But that doesn't sound politically good. So Biden and all his minions today, they're out now marching out there. 517,000 new jobs. And the unemployment rate, it went down at 3.4%, best in the history of modern America. No other administration. Yada, yada, yada. Why is unemployment down? More people are not filing unemployment claims. They've decided to give up. They're not looking for jobs aggressively. Why is that happening? (laughs) It's because of Joe Biden's economic policies. Well, I got four things I want to talk to you about. Four things. And it has to do with some congressional members. Some things that they said they would never do that they have done. We have that and a whole lot more. That balloon's still flying over our northwest uh, corner of the country. Somebody get out a BB gun and drop that thing. Hi, welcome to the subway ad for the three ninety nine six inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set at a retirement home. Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT three ninety nine. I call the EMT. Turkey breast three ninety nine. How much? Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. 
We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman. Now, every member of the Congress, everyone, puts a hand on the Bible, the other one up in the air, and swears an oath to this nation before they take their job. And of course, what that means, it entails a lot of things, but what they're never going to do is aid and abet our enemies. Well, four members of the House of Representatives have sent campaign money to a U.S.-based news company that's owned by the Chinese Communist Party during the 2022 election cycle. Now, this is according to our own FEC, Federal Election Commission. Who are these four House members? Democrat, New York Mayor, excuse me, New York Rep, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat, New York Representative Grace Ming, Democrat, California Representative Kevin Mullen, and Republican, New York Representative Nicole Maliotakis. They sent a bunch of money collectively and individually to Sing Tao U.S., which is a subsidiary of the Hong Kong-based Singtao News Corporation owned by the Chinese Communist Parties. Singtao, U.S., that's the branch that's headquartered here. They circulate Chinese-language newspapers written across the country. In 2021, the Department of Justice ordered Singtao U.S. to register on the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA, That's required for individuals or companies that engage in political activities on behalf of a foreign power. All payments to this company were made during the 2022 midterms. Ming, Mullen, and Maliotaka spent around $7,000 on multiple Tsingtao entities for ad expenses. With nearly $1,500 spent on political ads, AOC spent the most of the four representatives, according to the filings. Wait a minute, Dan, that's no big deal. $1,500. Oh, my gosh. That'll only buy about 10 cartons of cigarettes. That's not a big deal. Why would you spend money for any reason? Why would you leave 
a Chinese surveillance balloon floating around above our nuclear missile base in Montana. Why does anybody in this administration and in this Democrat-controlled Senate, why are any of them doing anything that could even be perceived to be positive or plus towards China? Yeah, I know we buy a lot of our stuff from China. We do, no question about it. But that doesn't mean we need to let them into our country and into our intelligence and also pay them money to run ads. Who are you trying to reach with the ads that you let Singtao publish? Who are you trying to reach? Nobody's asking that question of AOC and her buddies. But all this information came from the Federal Election Commission. So it gets its information from filings from all these people that run for office. So it's a fact. And it's no big deal. And by the way, nobody's asked AOC about it that has been reported. Of course, right now, she's probably still in the bathroom crying because Ilhan got kicked off of the Foreign Relations Committee. She was screaming her head off yesterday. So Hunter Biden, always back in the news, always got something going on about Hunter Biden. And everything is kicked up in the investigation by the DOJ into Hunter Biden as it pertains to Joe Biden. And a lot of the stuff, the noise going on right now about uh, Hunter Biden is about that infamous laptop. And yes, his lawyer came out and in a roundabout way admitted that the laptop is or was Hunter's and that the data on it is real. But you got to wait a minute. Wait a minute. Even though that was put out in the public blogosphere two days ago, it may not be true. In a letter yesterday, Biden attorney Abby Lowell urged Delaware Attorney General Kathy Jennings to investigate John Paul Mac Isaac. Now, who is he? He's the owner of that Delaware computer repair shop who turned Biden's laptop over to the FBI in 2019. Lowell claims Isaac's handling of the laptop, quote, resulted in the exposure, exploitation, and manipulation of Mr. Biden's private and personal information. He said it warrants a full investigation and may merit prosecution. It's not a common thing for a private person and his attorney to seek someone else to be investigated, but the actions and motives here require it. Lowell wrote this to Jennings. Jennings, again, is the Delaware Attorney General. So Hunter's brand new legal strategy, it could pose some conflict of interest issues should the Attorney General in Delaware take up the probe. Jennings had served under the president's late son, Beau Biden, when he was Delaware Attorney General. She touted an endorsement from President Joe Biden during her 2018 campaign. I've known Joan, Jill, and the Biden family for most of my life. Joe is one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever known, Jennings wrote in an April 2019 Facebook post, which also included a picture of her sandwiched between Joe and Jill. 
It's not over yet. One of Jennings' top deputies in the Delaware Department of Justice, Alexander Mackler, is even closer to the Biden family. He served as deputy counsel to then-Vice President Biden until 2016. He's also on very close personal terms with Hunter, exchanging hundreds of emails with the first son and his business associates through the years. Now that came off of Hunter's laptop. Love you, brother, he wrote to Hunter in 2018. And by the way, both Jennings and Mackler have maintained their close connections to the press. Jennings went to the White House November 8, 2021. That's from the White House visitor logs. Mackler visited four times, met with top advisor Steve Ricchetti on March 28th of this year. He visited Biden in the White House residence on April 11th. Visitor's log show. Now, what's going on right now? Well, Hunter's sending out letters to all of his allies in Washington, and they are collectively, very quietly, ramped up their war against Republican investigations of Hunter's business dealings. Biden sent a similar letter to the Justice Department requesting an investigation into the computer shop owner. The DOJ is investigating Hunter over his taxes, his foreign business dealings, and other issues already. Of course, we were told that more than two years ago. What's going on in that investigation? No news there. So what's happening? Some lawyer got to Hunter. By the way, Hunter's a lawyer, and he practiced law. I don't think he practiced uh, any real kind of courtroom law. Basically, he got involved in business dealing. So his uh, lawyering went that direction. But it looks like Hunter sees the hammer coming and he's trying to cut it off at the gap. Why? Although Hunter previously on numerous occasions dropped his dad in the dirt talking about business stuff, that Joe Biden, daddy, under oath, well, it wasn't under oath, but it was in front of everybody, said, I've never discussed my son or my brother's foreign business dealings, which is a bald-faced lie. So are we ever going to get finished with this? (laughs) I don't think we are. What do you think about Tom Brady? Wait a minute, this isn't a sports show. Really, what do you think about Tom Brady? I'm a football guy. I've been in football all my life. Played it, owned teams, broadcasted it. I think a lot of Tom Brady. I think he's the best quarterback ever in the NFL. Seven Super Bowls. He won seven out of ten times. He was in Super Bowls ten times. He won seven of them. That's more than any other player in history. Still, now that he is retiring, legendary sports talker Mike Francesca is not convinced that Brady was the best when it mattered most. When it mattered most. That's Francesca's kind of caveat in saying what he's saying. Francesca was appearing on ESPN's first take. He claimed that Brady had the longest career 
and most Super Bowl wins, but added that he felt Peyton Manning was the better regular season quarterback and Joe Montana the better Super Bowl quarterback. Mike Francesco on first take said this about Tom, quote, Tom Brady is not the best regular season quarterback I've ever seen. It's Peyton Manning, and he's not the best Super Bowl quarterback who ever lived. Joe Montana is. Francesca has to ignore a whole lot to keep knocking Tom Brady down the ladder. The next closest players to Brady's total of seven Super Bowl wins, 10 appearances, are Brady's pal Steven Guskowski and Bills and Broncos player Mike Lodish, both of whom appeared in six. And then there's a long list with five. At 45, Brady's played longer than any other player, 23 seasons under his belt, an amazing 20 of those with the same team, the New England Patriots. He was also, by the way, the NFL's MVP three times. Brady's skill never waned, never went down very much from his top playing years. Even at the end, he was and still one of the league's best quarterbacks ever, despite that last less than stellar season. Now, wait a minute, Francesca, he may have had a point. He pointed out Brady's rating in his Super Bowl appearance was 97.9. Montana's, 127.8. Not to mention that Montana has a perfect four wins out of four Super Bowl visits. Brady is only seven and three. But here's the thing. Every one of Montana's Super Bowl appearances occurred in the pre-salary cap era. Now, what does that mean? Well, with the advent of the salary cap back in 94, the NFL attempted to force the entire league to play on a level playing field. Did it work? Absolutely not. For reasons that would take a whole lot longer to explain, so we're not going to go down that road. But the point, and arguably the greatest argument for Brady being the greatest of all time, is that he went on this amazing run of Super Bowl success at the exact time in history when the NFL was trying to do away with the dynasties and forced everybody to be the same. Also, Tom went on this incredible run without winning a Super Bowl with a wide receiver who's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Joe Montana had Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver ever, for the lion's share of his career. Tom Brady had a receiver of that caliber for one season, Randy Moss, back in 07. The only other receiver who comes close to that level is Antonio Brown, who won one Super Bowl with Brady a couple of years ago. Yeah, Brady had Gronk. <laughs> he had the tight end Gronkowski. But of course, Brady had already won three Super Bowls by the time Gronk got to New England. The fact that Brady launched the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL at the exact time the league was trying to stop dynasties and he did it without a star-studded receiving core, unlike what Manning and Montana had, is enough to overcome any statistical prowess that Peyton Manning may have enjoyed in the regular season or that Montana may have had in the Super Bowl. Francesca, I know you're probably not listening. I know who he is. I've met him and we've talked before, but, you know, he's a big shot. He's not a little guy. You know, we only have, what, eight, nine hundred thousand people listening today? 
no big deal. This, I just wanted to drop that in there. Why? Because it's not on me. I like Francesca. He's a smart sports analyst. But for him to dump on with 23 season and seven Super Bowl rings, there's only one of those. What does that mean? That means Tom Brady is the GOAT in football. Now, what does GOAT mean, Dan? <laughs> I'm not a football fan. It means greatest of all times. That's Tom Brady. He definitely is the GOAT. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... <sighs> My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. <coughs> I cough all the time. Seriously? I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Hey, you know anything about El Salvador? We hear about it, but it's really kind of been a nothing thing for us other than a bunch of gang members, really, really bad gang members that are kicked out of El Salvador. They're trying to find their way, and many have successfully done so, coming to the United States. Well, this little tidbit of news leaked out overnight. It, it, it just shocked me. El Salvador formally opened an immense prison on Tuesday of this week. It's called the Terrorism Confinement Center. Now listen to this. This prison has 40,000 beds, making it one of the largest in Latin America. 40,000 with more capacity than every one of El Salvador's 20 existing penal facilities combined. Most of their existing prisons are filled far beyond their nominal capacity. The president, Bukele, his war on organized crime has put almost 2% of the population behind bars while cutting the homicide rate in half. The largest prison in El Salvador until now is rated for 10,000 inmates, but currently holds more than triple that. Can you imagine being stuck in that situation. 10,000 beds and 30,000 people are in prison there. The police have arrested over 62,000 gang suspects in El Salvador since last March. Bukele requested congressional approval for a state of exception across between a state of emergency and martial law, which, to put it bluntly, makes it much easier to imprison suspected gangsters. 
Bukele made the request after a horrifying weekend of gang violence killed a paltry 80 people. The state of exception has been extended 10 times, most recently on January 12th of this year when the legislature granted a 30-day extension with 67 out of 84 votes. Yeah, we think we think we got crime problems here. I got to tell you, you get 80 people killed in one weekend. A lot of people get shot up in Chicago every weekend, but we've not had an 80 weekend of killings. Why is this something we need to know about? Let me just tell you this. The reason I brought this out to you is we have in the United States a rampant criminality problem, and it's not just in our major cities. Everything that is implemented in places like New York and Chicago and Los Angeles and Seattle and Houston and Dallas, Atlanta and Miami, if it starts there in criminal actions, it's going to filter out into the communities that, that surround these big cities. Why is that? I hate to say this, but men, human, I don't care who you are, where you live, if you're a man, you're going to be more prone to take the easy way, more prone to do that today than ever before in the United States history. If you don't agree with me, just take a look around. Now, why is all of this illegality going on? I mean, we see people just getting shot and killed for basically nothing. Why is that happening? We're seeing kids in school beat up teachers. Those last two things happened this week. A female member of Congress got shot and killed. They don't know who did it. Criminality is a basic fundamental that's built into all human beings. It's there. Overlooking it or putting it behind you as an individual That is an individual thing, and a lot of people do it. But there are millions of people on the globe that take the other approach. They just go after. They want anything and everything they want. They'll do it. They'll go get it. Anybody stands in the way, anything goes. They'll kill them. I'm not exaggerating, folks. It's happening all around us. And this little report I gave you about El Salvador creating that massive prison. Not only is there a prison there, this president of El Salvador is committed to stopping all this crime. And the only way you're going to get it is you're going to have to get people to stop it. And what's the best way to stop criminal activities? What's the best way to stop your kids from doing something wrong, especially when you tell them not to do it You explain to them what it is, and they go ahead and do it. You punish them. You hold them accountable for that. That is missing in almost every country in the free world. Holding illegal doers accountable for their crimes. Oh, and by the way, we number among those nations that are not doing it. It seems like there's been this big sigh that you could hear. And the big sigh is, 
Americans, illegal immigrants, everybody else that's within our borders, legally or otherwise, they're realizing, you know what? I can do this, I can do that, I can steal here, I can sneak around and do stuff to people and get away with it. Why would I quit doing it? Now think about if you live in El Salvador. Most or many of these gang members down there, they're in the gangs because they have no alternative. They're sucked into this illegality. Over 62,000 gang member suspects just since March of last year. That's 10 months. Are we headed in that direction in the United States? Is that something we need to worry about? Let me give you an example. Here's another bad guy, Tajmir Jihad. He's the deputy minister of intelligence for the Taliban junta in Afghanistan. He boasted in a national television interview this past weekend that he organized a bloody 2018 suicide bombing in Kabul that killed more than 100 people, including women and children. So this interview was broadcast by Afghanistan's Tolo News. Jawad cheerfully in the story claimed he was the mastermind behind this January 2018 attack in which Taliban terrorists drove an ambulance packed with explosives right through a police checkpoint into a crowded street. The detonation killed over 100 people, injured at least 235 more. According to the legitimate Afghan government at that time, the Taliban killers were able to get past the cops by their checkpoints. How'd they do it? They claimed they were paramedics taking a badly wounded patient to a nearby hospital. The government declared a national day of mourning after that attack, left crowds of sobbing relatives gathered outside Kabul's hospitals, awaiting news of whether their loved ones had lived or died. Some Afghans were as angry with the government for failing to prevent the attack as they were at the Taliban for perpetrating it. Here's my point. The perpetrator? Tajmir Jawad? Deputy Minister of Intelligence for the Taliban in Afghanistan. He's on television bragging that's what he did. Now, we don't have Taliban deputy ministers hiding out in the United States that are committed and they're going to kill a bunch of us. There may be some people that aren't highly in a country at that particular level, as is Jawad. And we see foreign attacks who will forget 9-11. That's the one that comes up all the time, but there have been many others. Here in the United States, there is a loss of accountability. And that is the most important thing that has got to happen in a nation. If you don't have enforcement of laws... People are going to break the laws. There's no reason for them not to. If they want to get what they want and there's no accountability, they're just going to go get what they want. Is that where you want to live? Count me out. I'm not there. 
And I think that whole attitude is creeping into our society. I really do. And I think, to be honest with you, we're on a precipice and we're real close to the edge. And I feel very strongly that if we don't get after it to stop it, we're going to be in a worse place, a much worse place than we are now. And it won't take long. What happens if you get a a bunch of people that enforce and support those particular feelings in themselves and others, no accountability, don't worry about it, fly by the seat of your pants, go do it if it feels good, something you want, go take it. You're not going to be held accountable. Can you believe that today there are, in cities around the nation, especially on the West Coast, there are people that actually take a shopping cart and they go into a store like a Walmart and they go shopping, putting things in their basket, knowing that if the total value of those things they're stealing doesn't reach $901, nobody's going to do anything. They're just going to let them go. Why? Law enforcement out there, we're not going to hold these people accountable until they steal over $900. No accountability. Why would they not hold every thief accountable. By not doing that, you're instilling and enforcing the ignoring of accountability for breaking the law. This is the United States of America. That's not supposed to happen. Something happened yesterday in Congress that it just shocked me. It just shocked me. One African-American congressman, he just went toe-to-toe with Adam Schiff on the floor of the House. Why? Because Schiff maintained that this African-American guy, his opinion was racist. Listen to him jump into Adam Schiff. But this is actually not about race. This is actually an issue of public safety. And if I call this... If I call this an invasion, sir, I'm not racist. I can assure you I'm not racist. What I can assure you is that I want to make sure that fentanyl doesn't indiscriminately kill any race, religion, color, or creed. Because fentanyl doesn't care where you're from. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. Fentanyl kills indiscriminately. This gentleman right here works his tail off every single day to stop that from happening. Now, there's been a break in the dam, and that's pretty obvious, because a couple of years ago, of course, we had some problems, but it wasn't amplified to the level that we are seeing every single day. And the reason why we have to be careful with what we call and what we deem racist moving forward in the future is because we we start to lose focus on what the actual problem is. This administration, the Democrat Party, unfortunately, uses race as a scapegoat for everything. And as somebody that wants to make sure that we do attack racist issues when they do occur, we can't be the boy who cried wolf and blame racism all the time. I am here to hold this administration accountable to understand that there are issues of race that need to be addressed. And sir, this ain't one of them. I applaud some of your actions in El Paso. It sounds like you're doing some great things. 
but I'm going to tell you, as being born and raised in Texas, living in Houston, we have a problem, and this problem has precipitated over the course of the past two years. That is a fact. I get working together. I get reaching across the aisle. But this morning, I can't believe that we had a one-hour debate over whether or not we should sing the Pledge of Allegiance before we convene every day. One hour. That, to me, is antithetical to the point of this meeting today. I implore you all to be careful with using race because your son's no longer here. And I'm sorry. There's 100,000 sons and daughters that are no longer here because of fentanyl last year. A conversation in Congress about fentanyl, Adam Schiff. Obviously, the point that Schiff took, this gentleman confronted Schiff for doing it, was this African-American congressman from Houston talked about our southern border openness being an invasion. An invasion. Many people say that. A lot of leaders in both parties have mentioned that. People that are honest. I mean, you got a couple of million extra people sitting around you in the nation that have just simply been let in by this president during his two years in office. I call that an invasion. Adam Schmith, Adam Schiff, took this black congressman on and called him a racist because he termed this southern border, whatever you want to call it, he called it an invasion. Symbolism over substance. That's what this administration and most of the Democrat Party, that's what they promote, that's what they believe, that's what they demand, that's what they want, and that's what they do. Facts don't matter. Laws don't matter. Only thing that matters is the political partisan feelings of the left. And everything in government is gauged by their opinions, their positions, their thoughts. And the rest of us, just sit down and shut up. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring 649 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just 649. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus. of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. No, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. Want safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? 
Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha 990. I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky barbecue. Cheddar sour cream salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your left your wallet at home but now you have a new best friend the many flavors of lay's chips one taste and you're in love no identity politics no political elitism read and hear the truth always sourced from facts real truth real news tnn the truth news network headed to the weekend that's what we're doing all of it doing together talk about the west coast And somebody in a position of power out there, Gavin Newsom, he's the governor of California, of course. You know his wife? You know anything about her? Her name is Jennifer, Jennifer Newsom, and she now boasts a personal net worth of between 18 and $22 million. Now, again, that includes her wealth and her husband, and this, um, this wealth was created, earned roughly $1.4 million. This is Newsom's wife, Jennifer. She added $1.4 million herself this past year, charging public schools around the country to screen her documentaries. A watchdog group opened the books, reported on their findings, which showed that Newsom and her nonprofit, which is titled The Representation Project, raised up $1,500,000 in film licensing fees since 2012. This is almost, this sounds just like a scheme. Her nonprofit released four films for which she's credited as a writer and director advocating for de- gender. Justice. Siebel Newsom, that's her hyphenated last name, Siebel Newsom. She's a gender identity, and the films are produced through her for profit operation, Girls Club Entertainment. That's then licensed by the nonprofit, the Representation Project, to public schools. The Representation Project claims that they fight sexism through films, education, research, and activism. The documentaries screened included such woke titles as Miss, M-I-S-S, Representation, The Mask You Live In, The Great American Lie, and Fair Play. All titles were licensed to public schools in all 50 states, And Governor Gavin Newsom, a prospective presidential candidate, appeared in at least two of those films that were screened. Open the Book said the documentaries were licensed to, quote, individuals, corporations, and schools, 
and came with their own lesson plan. So, roughly 3 million students viewed the films in 5,000 schools, which spent up to $49 to $599 each to screen the films. According to the Rep Project's impact report, the organization's film curricula are being used in over 5,000 schools in all 50 states. The Representation Project claims over 11,000 copies of the curricula have been distributed, reaching more than 2.6 million students. Tax records show that since 2012, the nonprofit generated $1,483,001 in film screening revenue, although it's unclear how much money came from schools versus other sources. The content of the film screen, that's another matter. Newsom's film, The Mask You Live In, features the website addresses of porn sites, including Pornhub, Massive Cams, BDSM.XXX, and Brazers.com. The pornographic images displayed in the film are tagged with descriptions such as Domination, Face F, Kinky Couples, and Dirty Brunettes. The governor's wife included images of naked or mostly naked women being slapped, handcuffed, and brutalized in porno videos. The pictures are graphic even when blurred. Screenshots of those things can be found at a website. I'm not even going to give you the website. These jarring pictures are displayed with their corresponding porn website addresses, providing a roadmap for future exploration. The film seemed to justify their harmful content by saying that 34% of youth online receive unwanted pornographic exposure. Can you believe that? It's supposed to be wholesome. Gavin Newsom, he definitely is going to run for president in 2024, no doubt about it. He's going to take on Biden if Biden's still around. And his wife is producing Kitty porn. What's this nation coming to? Uh, I, I just don't know. Well, the House Oversight Committee, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, is looking for some info from Mr. Kerry, John Kerry, over his personal, and he is not, technically in the Biden cabinet. There's no cabinet position, but Biden created one and put John Kerry in there, but it's a little bit different. Do you know why? We have no idea who is on his payroll. We're paying the payroll, though. No idea who works for him formally. We've seen no structure of the entity that apparently is existing because Joe Biden hired Kerry to do this specific stuff, kind of be our our climate czar, and we don't know how much John Kerry is getting paid or anybody in his operation or the cost of any of the operations in his quest tackling climate change for us. So House Overseas Committee Chairman, Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, demanded information from Special Presidential Envoy for Climate. 
That's John Kerry's title. And John Kerry's been negotiating with the Chinese Communist Party. In a letter to Kerry this week, Comer also accused him of not handing over information related to his National Security Council role. Yet, you continue to engage in activities that can undermine our economic health, skirt congressional authority, and threaten foreign policy under the guise of climate advocacy. The committee requests documents and information to understand your role and provide necessary transparency over this special presidential envoy for climate, whatever you call it, group, operation, who knows. So during last year's World Economic Forum in Davos, Kerry told the Associated Press that the U.S. was making progress with China on climate issues. We're going to work on the practicalities of how we move faster to lower emissions, he said. Maybe we can help with technology of some kind to help China move faster. Maybe China could help us better understand some things we could do better. Yeah, right. Like, we're going to teach China anything about technology. They invented technology. (laughs) They just do it cheaper than we do. And in his letter, Comer blasted those statements from Kerry. As a member of the president's cabinet, you should be representing the United States interest. Your statements, however, consistently show disregard for American national security and taxpayer dollars. Comer also accused Kerry of downplaying China's human rights violations and its antagonism against the U.S. while they're promoting climate negotiations that the Communist Party of China does not even appear interested in getting in. In an April 2021 interview with Foreign Policy magazine, Kerry said that the U.S. needs China in the fight against climate change, irrespective of Beijing's atrocities, which include genocide against Uyghur Muslims. China doesn't benefit by not having America as a partner in dealing with climate. And the U.S. doesn't benefit from not having China as a partner in climate. So we're just disciplined, he said. We have differences on economic rules, on cyber. We have other differences on human rights, geostrategic interests. But those differences do not have to get in the way of something that is a critical, as critical as dealing with climate. Let me just say this. Who the heck gave him the structure of this committee? Who gave him authority to negotiate with China in any way at all? Who is he meeting with? Who has he talked to? And on what authority is he doing any of it? I got to be honest with you. John Kerry is one of the scariest people that's not even in government formally just because Joe Biden hired him and let lets him sit at the uh, table in the boardrooms, he doesn't have the authority to do any of this. And as Comer has demanded, give us the facts. And all this administration does is find ways to spend your money and, by the way, to make some more money for themselves. Just saying. Got a little COVID news for you today. 
one of the very widely used COVID-19 treatment drugs, we find out could be linked to mutations that create new variants of the disease. Oh my God. Researchers cited an analysis of more than 13 million viral genomes in worldwide databases and found that this drug, Lagavrio, also known as Malnupovir, there were mutations linked to the drug. Certain mutations, they wrote, are more common in nations that widely use the drug, including here in the U.S., the U.K., and in Australia. There were a lower number of mutations in France and Canada where the drug isn't authorized for use. A survey of viral genomes found that some people who are treated with the medication can generate new variants of COVID-19 that do spread. It is possible that some patients treated with M-O-L-N-U-P-I-R-A-V-I-R, malnupiravir, malnupiravir, might not fully clear SARS-CoV-2 infections with the potential for onward transmission of malnupiravir mutated viruses. They wrote that these new variants are generated through acquisition of mutations that enhance the properties. They make them bigger, stronger, including immune evasion and intrinsic transmissibility. Let me just say this. This is just more evidence that proves we went into that whole thing being told a bunch of stuff that wasn't true, and every day we find out one more thing that our government and our COVID czar, Anthony Fauci, put us in, has us getting injected into us, and we don't know what's in it. We haven't known what's in it. There was not significant human trials at all before it was ever put out in the marketplace. How many people are dying because of this? How many unnecessary cases of COVID-19 are there around the nation just because of these mutations? And what's it going to look like if we have what, 15, 20, 30, 40 different variants of COVID-19? You know, I'm, I've am i never believed COVID was as big a deal as it actually played out. I think it was as big as it played out in part because we got bad information and we treated it the wrong way. I think there are tens of thousands of Americans who died from COVID that died because of what healthcare officials did to them and told them to do, rather than find something that works. Doesn't matter if it's brand new medications or if it's old medications, and give them a chance. People in healthcare on the left are still demeaning the use of hydroxychloroquine, it works. It works. Yeah, it wasn't invented for COVID-19. Yes, it's been in the market being sold and used for other illnesses since the 1950s, very successfully, I might add. There are so many things out there we did not know about. We told everybody we knew everything's safe. All the medications are safe. They're going to be just like any vaccine. They're going to be some minor adverse reactions. 
yeah, those are going to happen and we're going to work with those people. And then we find out that there were more than a million deaths from COVID-19 that came from adverse reactions, not to COVID-19, but to the vaccines. We live in a strange world, folks, and there are a bunch of people out there that are sitting in positions of power and they're claiming they have power over us that they really don't have. Let's talk a little bit about The View. We haven't mentioned Whoopi and Company much of late, and we're not going to get into it, but The View co-host, Sonny Hostin, she came out yesterday and she just slammed the idea of American exceptionalism and the Pledge of Allegiance because it doesn't apply to a lot of our citizens. This country, she said, hasn't met this dream of being this beacon on a hill. Hostin made the comments during the ABC's The View yesterday as the show's host kicked off their coverage of Black History Month. She told viewers that her critical attitude toward the U.S. is something she developed with age as she came to understand more about black history. The problem I have, she said, is this narrative of American exceptionalism that we've been taught as kids. I started realizing that the actual Pledge of Allegiance doesn't apply to a lot of our citizens. Her co-host, Alyssa Farah Griffin, hit back saying, loving your country is not saying your country is perfect. Hostin, who was born to a Puerto Rican mother and African-American father in New York City, explained how as a child she subscribed to the idea that the U.S. was somehow special. I said the Pledge of Allegiance all through my life, she said, in school. And then when I got into college, I took an African-American history course. It hasn't met the dream of being exceptional, she said. This country hasn't met this dream of being this beacon on the hill. Hostin also endorsed the idea that nobody should be obliged to Pledge of Allegiance. The Supreme Court has already ruled you can't force anyone to take the pledge, but until we meet the promise of what this country could truly be, then we shouldn't be touting us as exceptionalists, she said. That's when Farrah Griffin interjected, telling Hostin that one could be supportive of their country without supporting it in every way. I love this big, beautiful, flawed nation, Farrah Griffin said before explaining that she wants to see improvements in how it's run. We strive, and it says in the Constitution, to form a more perfect union. And I think that's something we should internalize and constantly strive for progress. But she also vehemently rejected criticism of the U.S. and insisted that perceptions that European countries are more advanced or progressive aren't true. I'm well aware, Fair Griffin said, of the flaws in this country. And I think engaged citizens are the ones that are going to fix that. But there's a little bit of this narrative of Europe's got it all together. We're a big mess. I'll just point out, France bans the burqa even though they have the largest Muslim population in Europe. Did you know that? France banned the wearing of any kind of face covering and veils in public 
way back in 2011. The law disproportionately impacted certain Muslim women and meant that those wearing a full-face veil could be fined 150 pounds. Farrah Griffin cited this as an example of how America has comparatively liberal social values. As an Arab American, I'm sorry that's racist, she said of the French ban. China, the competing global superpower against the U.S., currently has Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps. They edit black people out of films in China. Racist right there. Iran is killing women and protesters for not wearing the hijab properly. And by the way, some countries in Eastern Europe criminalized homosexuality until very recently. Oh, by the way, Middle East countries still do that. I saw a, uh, a really dark video. It was sent to me, no explanation. I don't even remember who it came from. But it opened, it was a scene just looking at a street right about sundown. And across the street, there's a building. And all of a sudden, you see this, it looked like a, a, a big bag, you know, a, a, a big bag that you put stuff in. It was dropped from the roof and it hit the concrete. No explanation. About 30 seconds later, another one, the same thing. Just a big plop when it hit the the ground. What that was, those were homosexual Muslims that were being wrapped up in these bags and pushed off the roof of a building five stories up. Of course, they died when they hit the concrete. So there are places over there that don't have it right. I'm sorry. Listen, this is the United States. It's known not simply by us, but by people around the world as being the strongest, the fairest, the best nation in world history. Is it? You may disagree with that, but based on results, that's where you should look. We got it together more than most other countries. Every other country is struggling too. Right now, things are just messed up. But you're not going to fix anything if you just keep screaming and hollering, pointing fingers and blaming. We got to get together. And instead of just telling us you want to get together, novel idea. How about starting doing that with some kind of concrete plan? Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Dear Daddy. Dear Mom. I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org.
talk about some really important stuff that's going on. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, is set to unleash unstoppable hypersonic Zircon missiles during upcoming war games that include China and South Africa. This new Mach 9 nuclear-capable Zircon missile, which travels at speeds of nearly 7,000 miles per hour, is going to be fired from the Russian warship Admiral Gorshkov during naval exercises off the coast of South Africa. A training launch of the missile, one of the world's deadliest weapons, will be aimed at a surface target at a distance of more than 310 miles. This is pretty scary. The upcoming launch of the deadly missiles comes after the Admiral Gorshkov conducted an electronic launch at an enemy surface target as it sailed in the western Atlantic off the coast of the U.S. last week. The Zircon missiles will also now be fired from the Russian frigate during naval drills between Russia, China, and South Africa. They're going to be doing these in the Indian Ocean. These three nations are going to engage in the war games from the 17th to the 27th of this month, 10 days, off South Africa's east coast near the cities of Durban and Richards Bay. During this exercise with the navies of South Africa and China, a training launch of a Zircon hypersonic missile is going to be carried out to be the first ever during an event of this kind. That's according to TASS. Russian state news agency. The Gorshkov has been closely monitored by NATO navies on its mission armed with the 6,670 mile per hour Mach 9 weapon, which has a maximum 625 mile range. The frigate is also carrying Kaliber missiles, the type used in Russia's war in Ukraine. Last month, It came out the warship at stage war games and conducted an electronic launch of the Zircon missiles off the coast of the U.S. after it deviated from its course. This is scary, folks. Terrifying footage showed the Russian Navy preparing for a nuclear launch as the hatch opened in preparation for the deadly missile to be launched. The electronic launch and the work by the shipborne combat team confirmed the missile system's design characteristics demonstrated during a preliminary and state trials. This is from the vessel's captain, Igor Krokmal. Earlier this month, the frigate was escorted through the British uh, waters by the Royal Navy and French and Spanish ships then escorted it across the Atlantic. This is kind of spooky. The Gorshkov, which is on its first deployment, set sail from one city in Russia on January 4th. Putin previously claimed the Zircon missiles have no equivalent in the world and their arrival comes at a much-needed time for Russia after a bunch of setbacks in Ukraine. After setting sail on its first deployment January 4th, the missile, uh, excuse me, the vessel immediately fired a test launch of the nuclear cable capable cutting-edge Zircon into the Barents Sea, hitting a target 620 miles away in the White Sea. Putin could barely contain his joy when he announced the news last month. I'm sure that such powerful weapons will make it possible to reliably protect Russia 
from potential external threats and will help ensure the national interest of our country. And here we are, dumbing down our military, kicking people out for not taking that, what they call a vaccine, but it's an experimental drug, not letting some of them come back. We don't have enough people in the military. We haven't built any new military weapons or vessels. And it's not just Russia. China's passing us. We no longer have the most powerful military in the world. We don't. In just two years, this president has dumbed down who we are militarily. And that means we're no longer the most powerful. That means anybody that wants to can do whatever they want to against us and probably um, there's not going to be much that we can do about it. That, my friends, is pretty spooky. Pretty spooky. Stuart Varney. I don't know why I didn't let you hear this earlier in the show today. He came out, and as Stuart Varney, he's a Brit. He's an American citizen, but he came over from the UK. He's a really sharp guy. And when he does these little news bits that he does that are quotable, basically, they're very brief, but they're very well sketched out, and they make a point very succinctly in every one of them. In fact, every few days, you hear Stuart Varney here at TNN Live. And he weighed in on this sense of somebody owes me something, that these members of the squad, they're touting, Americans all over are touting, Everybody's got a proverbial chip on their shoulder and they're they're getting upset, staying upset, acting upset, doing stupid things because they feel like they're entitled to something that they haven't earned at all. In Los Angeles, you don't have to pay your rent. In fact, the L.A. Board of Supervisors just extended the eviction moratorium for a couple of months. That means if you don't pay your rent, you can't be evicted. There are people in L.A. who haven't paid rent in three years. This is lunacy. How do you get investment in housing if the owner can't rent it out and get paid? Progressives say tenants are entitled to protection. (laughs) Entitlement pops up everywhere these days. In New York City, activists are telling migrants they are entitled to a luxury hotel room. They are protesting their transfer to a facility in Brooklyn. Oh, they prefer Manhattan. Are college grads entitled to student debt forgiveness? The president put the program in place. The education department says they are, quote, working hard to get students the relief they are entitled to. Their words. You don't have to pay back. You're entitled not to. How about work? We hear a lot about quiet quitting. Well, you don't do your best. You just slide by. Is there an element of entitlement there? Hmm. Or the shoplifting surge. No, not the smash and grab stuff. That's just plain criminal. But the guy who walks out of the store with a bag of food, is he entitled to it? because food is a necessity and he doesn't have enough of it? It's the left that started this. The rise of socialism in the last few years coincides with the rise of the entitlement mentality. It will not be reversed until you have to pay off your loans. You have to pay the rent and you quit whining. Well, you don't have to do it, Stuart. You don't have to do any of it unless somebody is going to hold you accountable if you don't do it. There's a whole lot of that going on right now, not holding people accountable. We have these district attorneys and prosecutors around the nation 
that were put in office with big dollars from people like George Soros, specifically putting in big dollars in these campaigns to get these soft-on-crime people in office. And look what's happening in New York City right now. The prosecutor there, he's dumbed everything down. All of the accountability for every infraction, even some major ones. It's happened in places like Baltimore and Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. San Francisco recalled their prosecutor, their soft-on-crime prosecutor, because he wasn't following the law. He was making up the rules as he goes. Listen, if you don't hold people responsible for things, they're going to just keep on trucking. That's just basic, fundamental human nature. And it killed me throughout the pandemic hearing about these landlords, people that are honest, that took their own money and they built these places, sometimes apartment complexes, sometimes duplexes, sometimes single residential properties, and they're leasing them out to people, renting them out to people. And when this moratorium was established by the Biden administration during the pandemic, they just quit paying their rent. We told you some stories. I don't know if you remember back then, but we told you some stories about especially one guy. It just rings a bell with me. He hadn't paid his rent, well, a a lease payment, over a year, the place that he lived. There was nothing the land guard could do. He couldn't evict him. Guy was just going over and knocking on the door, asking this guy to pay, and he said, I don't have to. And the, the landlord spotted one day a brand new big pickup truck I think we talked about this, Steve Baker and I did on Tuesday. Brand new big pickup truck with a big boat. The guy's not paying his rent, but he has enough money, obviously because he's not paying his rent, to buy a new boat, finance it, buy a new truck and finance it. This is just crazy, absolute stuff going on everywhere. House Oversight Committee, they've scheduled a hearing for next week They're going to investigate possible Twitter censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story. You think there was was some uh, censorship there? The meeting is titled Protecting Speech from Government Interference and Social Media Bias, Part 1. Twitter's role in suppressing the Biden's laptop story. This is going to be a fun hearing. Americans deserve answers in their explanation. This is what it says. Americans deserve answers about this attack on the First Amendment and why big tech and the swamp collude to censor this information about the Biden family selling access for profit. Accountability is coming. So Representative Comer, who's the chairman of the Oversight Committee, he explained what this is going to be all about. The hearings are going to focus on allegations that Twitter suppressed a news story about the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop that was left at that computer repair shop back in 2020. Three former Twitter execs are scheduled to testify. Vijay Gotti, former chief legal officer, James Baker, former deputy general counsel, and Yoel Roth, former global head of trust and safety. 
Now, this hearing was announced just one day after the February 1st revelation by Hunter's lawyer that the laptop at the center of a years-long controversy did, in fact, belong to the president's son. A Wilmington, Delaware electronics shop says Hunter dropped it off, supposed to fix it, which they did. Back in April of 2019, Hunter never came back to the shop to get it. Computer's hard drive was eventually provided to the FBI and some other folks. Among the tens of thousands of emails off that laptop, some suggest that Joe Biden had been a participant in business ventures with America's adversaries and misused his public position for family financial gain. That's according to an interim staff report for Republican members of the House Oversight Committee. In the New York Post, you'll remember, they put this laboratory, uh, lab story out in October of 2020. Twitter and a bunch of other places, Google as an example, they would not let this revelation be even mentioned on Twitter. Files released in this past December by Twitter owner Elon Musk appear to show that company execs chose to first prevent the dissemination of the articles on the platform, then ban the article altogether. It seems like years ago, but Elon bought Twitter in October. Next week's hearing is intended to find out whether Twitter did censor stories about the laptop, which could have impacted the outcome of the 2020 election. The letter from Hunter's attorney was sent to the Delaware Attorney General, the DOJ's National Security Division, and the IRS, urging officials to investigate what she characterized as attempts to weaponize the contents of the laptop by close associates of former President Donald Trump. Experts differ on whether or not the contents of the hard drive can be authenticated because it's conditioned in the uncertain chain of custody. Two experts who examined the hard drive found that files had been added to it by someone other than Hunter Biden, both before and after the New York Post published its story. Now that comes from the Washington Post. First time I've heard that. I wonder who would do that. I have no idea. Folks, we had a big week this week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for your many comments. And comment at any time. You can send me a text or even better, just send me an email. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Your comments, your questions, they're not just okay. We welcome them. like to hear from you. After all, we're in this thing together. That means everybody's got to speak their mind and tell us what's on their mind. Don't forget, we have our bullet points, the big stories of the week. That'll be published overnight. Be out tomorrow so you can grab your cup of coffee and catch up on what you may have missed in the news this past week. You have a great weekend. We'll be back in the saddle right here, 9 a.m. Central, Monday through Friday. And don't forget, we're going on the road. TNN Live is going to Israel. We leave the 22nd of this month. 
We're going to do the show live every day while we're there in Israel. It's going to be kind of interesting. And we'll have some special guests, too, during that 10-day period. We'll see you Monday morning. Have a great weekend. And thanks for being part of the Truth News Network family. the boys